Welcome to Attorney Heart, the podcast focused on bringing awareness to and promoting attorney well-being. Join Attorney Heart as you embark on a journey to improve the quality of your professional and personal life. And now, here's your host, Fernando Flores. Looking up, there's always sky. Rest your head, I'll take you high. We won't fade into darkness. All right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Attorney Heart. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we have a very, very unique and interesting episode, something you have not necessarily seen before. And be, <clears throat> before we get right into it and talk to our guest, Bill Protzman, I just want to remind you about the upcoming I Matter Now conference on August 17th. It's a Saturday, one-day conference. It's going to be just an awesome day with awesome folks and awesome energy. And I'm really <clears throat> excited to uh, see you there and hope that you are able to make it out. So let's get into our next uh, interview. So Bill Protzman, in addition to being a successful IT entrepreneur, Bill holds magna cum laude degrees in piano performance and creative writing. And he has done a lot of concerts and performed a lot for many years with a focus on bringing music to audiences in non-traditional ways. In 2011, he launched Music Care Inc., a for-profit corporation dedicated to teaching practical ways that music can be used for self-care. So this is one of the reasons why I wanted to have Bill on the show, because he has a very unique way of using music for purposes of self-care. And he was, his work was actually recognized by the National Council for Behavioral Health um, with an award of excellence in 2014, which is, uh, as Bill explains, it's basically the, the behavioral equivalent, the behavioral health equivalent of winning an Oscar. So uh, he's really passionate about self-care and in particular using music for purposes of self-care. And since I'm passionate about self-care as well, I wanted to have Bill on. So Bill, with that, I welcome you to Attorney Heart. We're really excited uh, about having you on. And uh, yeah, thank you. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so pleased to be here, Fernando, and so intrigued that you reached out. I haven't yet been on an attorney-focused podcast, and this is, this is a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I look forward to learning from you, and I know that our guests uh, do as well. So, you know, let, let, let's get right into it. You know, tell us a little bit about, you know, why you have this particular focus, and how is it that you use music for purposes of self-care, you know, and, and feel free to take it in, in whatever route you feel appropriate. Sure. So I'm going to skip over a whole lot of life and just say that as a kid, I learned to play the piano and I'm still doing that, I'm still playing. And when you do that, you notice its effects if you're doing it for that long. So I've been playing the piano for more than 50 years and you don't play in a vacuum. You play for an audience and watching what happens with the audience as they respond to music, whether it's mine or anybody else's, it's fascinated me because I found that I respond to music as well, very deeply. Mm -hmm. And it's more than like or dislike, you know, get over the judgment for a moment and just say, let's look at the content of this uh, sound and rhythm and what it does to us. And I'll be honest with you, there's what, seven billion plus people. Every one of us responds to sound and rhythm a little bit differently. Mm. But if you understand your own responses, then you can use them. You're empowered to be able to use that stimulus for your own purposes. Now, musicians know this. I mean, we create a concert program and we create it intentionally to give you all a ride. We, we want to take you on an emotional journey through, this, through the process of music. 
And uh, it's quite natural for musicians to think that way about what we perform, what we play. Not quite so much for other people. So what I've done is open up the intelligent use of music for self-care by helping people understand its effects on them, individual, as, as, a, as a unique, you know, vibrating being in the world, different from everyone else. Uh, how does sound and music work for you? And, and it's easy to learn that. It becomes a practice like other practices that we would have. And in my case, it's been a lifelong practice of understanding that effect. And gosh, I have more fun teaching people how this works because you can watch transformation happen right there in the room. You know, if we're one-on-one -on -one over Skype or whatever, you can see the change as people go, oh, now I understand, right? <laughs> and, and that is, uh, you know, just watching that happen over and over and over again, it's like, it's, it's like food, you know? If, if every one of you could have that experience, it would be such an amazing thing. Oh, and that's... Yeah, it, it truly is. So that, there's the overview for you. <laughs> Got it. Okay. That's really awesome. And let me ask you, do you, is there a difference between, you know, what's, what's called music therapy and then what you call music care or music self-care? Is, or, or is it the, the same thing? Can you talk a little bit about that? This question has great insight. So I, I really appreciate you asking it. I'm not a music therapist. I'm a, I'm a performer. I play the piano. Okay. But um, there are music therapists. So let's talk about music therapy for a minute because that's important. Um, you wouldn't go to a courtroom without, uh, to be, without being a licensed attorney and represent another client, right? You right. might go in on your own without a license to represent yourself. But as an attorney, you have an ethical obligation and you're licensed by the state to practice what you practice. That's the same as with music therapists. So music therapists have an advanced degree specific to music therapy that includes things like a psychology track and, of course, music tracks and behavioral health tracks to qualify them to work in clinical settings one-on-one -on -one with a client. Like a therapist would do, the modality, however, is music. So there's a certification process for that, and I believe all 50 states now uh, recognize music therapy as a board-certified, licensed uh, you know, profession. Now, some states grant licenses, some don't. But the, the idea there of credentials is important. You want to be a credentialed individual if you're working in a clinical situation. For me, looking at that, I see the value of having a therapist-client relationship as being able to dig deep and go into specific issues and actually work to resolve them using music. That is amazing. And oftentimes in concerts, I'll tell people, if you find that this is having an effect on you, you might want to seek out a music therapist so you can go deeper with them in a one-on-one. -on -one. All right, so that's music therapy. Where I come from is that this has had such a powerful effect on me for such a long time that I believe that you can also give yourself care using music if you know what you're doing. Mm. And I, by that I mean not just going to a concert and enjoying it and feeling relaxed or using music on your workout because those are valuable ways to use music too. But the way that I'm looking, out, looking into this is sort of between music therapy on one side and a concert on the other. In that middle ground, we're all subject to sound and rhythm all day long. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those sounds can be beautiful and sometimes they can be harmful. But if we have awareness in that middle ground there, we can use those sounds for our own benefit. Um, easy example, you're driving down the road, somebody cuts you off. Bam, road rage hits right now, right? Mm -hmm. What do you do with that? 
That's a really interesting question. And, you know, I've, I've done it all. I've, you know, I've yelled and screamed at the guy, you have to be careful in Southern California because they'll shoot you here. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Remember that whole thing? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I've gone all the way from that response to the other response that says, oh my gosh, you know, maybe he's late for something or the kids in the back seat were distracting her and she didn't see me when she cut me off, or whatever it is, you know, from compassion to rage. I've had all those responses. But the, the important thing is when you have that response, how do you support it? Because there are times, um, in fact, I've, I've known a couple of people who've been in accidents recently and their response when they got out of the car was just blind rage. Mm. I'm thinking to myself, wow, I mean, I'm glad you're okay. Nobody was hurt. You could get out of the car. But is rage the place you want to go? And not being judgmental about that, if it is rage, why not support that instead of trying to stuff it down and, and you know, keep your head together and keep your poker face on until it's over, right? Yeah. You need to make an agreement with yourself to feel that feeling. And the easiest way to do that safely without having to break things and hurt people is to, do, is to put it to music. Mm. So when I get rage, I will put on metallic. I'll put on anything that gets that rage up to a level where it's present for me again and where my body physically has the ability to experience that and sort of let it go, work through it. Remove mm. the negative charge, to use a judgmental word, but to remove the negative charge from that experience of being cut off in traffic just because you don't want to carry that stuff around. You know, Fernando, who wants to carry around a bunch of rage and anger? I, I did that for 30 years before I realized in therapy that I was an angry guy and wow. that I'd stuffed all that anger, letting it come out in the form of depression, sadness, mm -hmm. when I could have been playing it at the piano, right? I, I, I could have allowed that music to come and, and let those feelings that I was told were bad, right? No, don't be, don't be angry, Billy, right? No. That's what we're told. But that's true. What, what they're really saying is don't do anything hurtful with that anger or with that rage. Mm. You have to experience it. Our bodies are resonators and we, all these emotions hit us for a reason. And if it's rage or fear or if it's sadness, we need to allow that to come up and let it go to sort of rinse it out of our system. So we mm -hmm. don't carry it around at a cellular level. And the science on this is that we do carry everything that's happened to us at a cellular level. Uh, a guy out in uh, Boston, I believe, he might be connected to Harvard or MIT, but he runs a trauma center and he's been doing it for a long time. Wrote a book called The Body Keeps the Score. And in it, he explores how we contain all of the emotional energy that has occurred in our life for whatever reason. Mm. You know, dropped as a baby or whatever. You know, all, all of those things stay with us on a cellular level and being able to release them is very helpful. And you can do that through talk therapy or mixed martial arts or exercise. There's lots of ways to do that. But hey, music is all around and it's free. And with some headphones, you can give yourself uh, basically a shower, a musical shower, if it's coming to emotions that you don't want. Right? Yeah, that's awesome. I like that musical shower. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, I really like your perspective, uh, Bill. I mean, particular because... That is something that I work a lot with my own clients as a high performance coach. I, write, I really help them reduce stress and then develop emotional wellness. So I love one, the perspective that you mentioned in relation to, look, there's no judgment. If you feel rage in that particular situation, that's where you are in your journey. There it is, yeah. You, you have to allow yourself to process that, to feel that, to work through it. And I really 
like the perspective because a lot of what emotions tell us is whether we are in a comfortable state or in a discomfort state. Yes. Right. And so when you look at it from that, you know, uh, perspective, right, that dichotomy, it's not so much that it's positive and negative emotions, just are we comfortable? Are we at peace right now? Are we relaxed? Are we having a conversation and just, you know, uh, rocking out through words, right? Or are, are we uncomfortable, you know? And so it can range, right? You can be very in a very, uh, in a space where you're very uncomfortable. So you feel rage. And I like what you mentioned in terms of bringing music that matches where you are so that you can process that. Yes, yeah. that's, that's the important part. Because a lot of us like to just, you know, if we're sad, we play happy music. Mm -hmm. What have you done with your sadness? You kind yeah. of stuffed it, you know, off to the side. And, and all of those emotions are like guardrails. They're there, like you were talking about. They're there to give us information. And oftentimes, um, that's way beyond the kind of information we would reasonably, reasonably um, or logically find. Um, they talk about this with the interaction of a physical human interaction between two people versus like an online one. And you can get some of it online, but there are things that you pick up subconsciously about the other person's emotional state that unless you practice and have awareness of those things, uh, you're not able to respond properly. Mm. And I, the people in NLP and emotional intelligence and all that, they give you lots of examples of how this works. So I think you're on the right track with your coaching of uh, allowing people to be with feeling without judgment because those, that's, feeling is just as smart, if you will, as mm -hmm. our brains are. And in some cases, uh, it does things the brain can't do. So a little practice with that, like learning how your own stuff feels, can open you up to being, being able to be in another situation with other people with more awareness mm -hmm. of how they're going through the process too. I love it. I love it. And, you know, I, I, th this, you know, this relates to that. Um, but in your perspective and in your experience in working with music for, for, you know, for such a long time, being a musician for such a long time and working in, uh, in self-care and tying music uh, into that and helping others with that, how, how do you see the most effective way that music can be used to, to help us professionally? Right. One of the things that I, I get a lot of questions about is like, you know, hey, uh, Fernando, I'm really interested in taking um, my my professional skills to the next level. I'm really interested. So as attorneys who go into court, who have a lot of cases, you know, who uh, after experiencing a long day and meeting or trying to meet all the demands, expectations, you know, and, and all the duties that were are assigned to us every day. And then we go home and try to be with our family. Where can music fit in to help us, you know, be better professionals, but be better humans too, if you could so, talk about that. Uh, yeah, definitely. So we've kind of talked about uh, music as an intervention mm -hmm. or like dealing with things when stuff comes up. Right. And that's a powerful way to, to work. Um, to be honest with you, that's the way that I approach this because I found myself in a place where I needed care too. And so I learned how to give care as an intervention. But flipping that over now and going toward the power music side of it. So how do you use music to not just fix the stuff that goes wrong, but to put yourself on the leading edge, to give yourself a boost. So this goes back a few years, but left and right brain have been out there for a while. And we know that there's some analytical side to all of us and that there's some more intuitive and creative side to all of us. And the successful marriage of those two hemispheres of our brain, which have actually now sort of been combined together, the science is moving beyond the left-right thing, but it, it works. To be able to marry the, uh, the analytical side of the brain, which is basically attorneys 24-7, mm -hmm. 
yeah. <laughs> with the creative side of the brain um, can really spark things up. So, I mean, the law is the law, but there are aspects of it that are very creative too, which is how do I take this fixed law and find the way through to a solution that is innovative and creative and still fits within the wall, the law and resolves everybody's disagreements. That mm. takes some creativity. It's not often obvious. It's usually there at some point, but to get that creative edge where you're able to think outside the box, if you will, and I, I understand the law, it's a, it's a pretty narrow box, but the most successful attorneys are the ones who are able to, to apply some creativity to that. So by practicing creativity, you then put yourself in a place where you're ready to grab that insight when it comes. And sometimes it'll come faster if you've got practice. Practice is an important thing. Like we musicians, we practice all the time. And we do that so that when it comes time to actually put the rubber on the road, we don't have to worry whether our fingers are going to go in the right place. We don't have to think about it. The, the physical equipment's all there. That's what, that's what you know, attorneys do in school and practice and all of that. So it, it's all there. And at that moment, then, you're open to the creativity. And sometimes you get that creativity in practice. Sometimes you get insights there. But more often than not, it takes a little pressure, right? You got to be squeezed a little bit to get your real creative stuff going. So those yeah. of us who've had practice are less scared of going out on the stage, even if, we, even if we do make a mistake, because we've practiced the basics. And when we hit the stage, we're ready for that inspiration to, to take place. Mm. How, how have we done that? How have we done that? Well, the wonderful thing about music is that it plays in our creative brains. It plays with our emotions. It plays in all the parts of us as human beings where we don't have to be analytical. And okay, so music theorists like to go and they like to analyze music and that's fine too. And, and that's great, no problem with that. But music is just able to unlock those parts of us that, are, that engage in insight and creativity and out of the box thinking and all those other parts of us that are just right there waiting to be used. You have to choose the music for you that unlocks that. Um, I'll give you a good example. Um, I have yet to see anybody doing their homework in a pickup bar. It's not the right environment. And the bar right. makes sure of that because they play music that's got like a beat, right? They, the music that's there is there to, to spark up adrenaline. Well, adrenaline is not a great thing to have in you if you're trying to be creative. So physiologically, the music that you're using makes a difference to your creativity. You're not going to play your exercise track if you have a, a lot of reasoning and heavy analytical lifting to do. Works the same way with creativity. So what music makes that happen for you? Well, I don't know, but let's find out, right? So we'd start working through your music to find the stuff that may not actually even be in a playlist that you have, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody knows their workout list. Everybody knows their, you know, happy, sad kind of songs, right? Everybody knows their, I don't know, pick it up. Uh, my wife and I have a, a, a playlist for sex, right? There's, there are purposes for all this music. Well, what's the music that makes creativity happen? How weird would it be? Have you, I mean, that's not generally something that people think about, but it's there. It's there. And you might find it by eliminating all the other kinds of music and going, whoa, I don't have any creative music and start being a music hunter and actually looking for some and figuring out how it works on you. Not so much intellectually, Fernando, because you know, attorneys are great at that, but what is it that opens you up creativity to the, to the creative stuff? Is it a round of golf? Okay, so you're on the golf course. What does that sound like? 
Maybe it's an outdoor soundtrack that opens you up to creativity. Any sound you want, it's out there. It's out there right now. You can go and get it, right? Um, there, there, are, there are ways to tie this together. And once you identify that music and you've got a Silver Bullet playlist with three or four of those creative songs and you practice using that and opening yourself to creativity, you will teach your, your system that, yeah, okay, Bill, now it's time to be creative. And insight happens. We're born this way. It's, 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 I know there's lots of science that's finding out why it works, but you know, musicians have known this for a long time. It's, it's how we live. So engaging with that, for us, is pretty easy. We got practice. Helping other people see it, that can be new. But again, the wonderful experience of watching the lights come on when you find your music is just, it, it, it's amazing. It blows me away. And it's a wonderful thing to be able to get people to that place. Uh, Any questions so far? I, no, I no, no. Way down the hole there. No, so. that's that's really that's really helpful and really really uh, interesting. And you know, so so would you say that, for example, for someone that has maybe uh, a tough time listening to a full-on tune, if if like ocean uh, sounds, oh yeah, sure. You know, that's something that can work as well. There's an amazing um, uh, thing that happens in sound. Or if you take two sounds that are at a, a close, very close in, in pitch, in, in mm -hmm. actual notes, but off by just a little bit, and if you play them at the same time, it'll create a beat. Uh, I can't really explain it any other way, but it sounds like wah, 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 wah. And you'll hear that. But what's happening there is that the sound waves are out of phase. And those phases can be adjusted up or down the level of hertz mm -hmm. where they occur. And uh, they have an effect on us on a molecular level. You can hear people talking about theta waves and gamma waves, like all these different kinds of sounds. And there's a name for it, binaural beats. B-I-N-A-U-R-A-L, mm. e binaural beats. And those things are, they're amazing. They occur in nature. Uh, crickets make binaural beats. Waves, you mentioned ocean waves, make binaural beats. Wind does. Mm. Um, these are things that we need. Uh, our human systems need them. If you go off into the forest, you'll have a different experience of sound than in the city. Right, in, right. In the forest, you can actually hear some of those natural binaural beats and, and they work on you. So we've got binaural beats for creativity, um, binaural beats for sleep, uh, binaural beats for headache. And uh, you can go out there and Google this stuff on YouTube. You can get hours of this and, and wow. use it you know, for your own support. It's cool stuff. Oh, that's really awesome. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to find a mix with Cricket's Oceanside. There you go. Uh, <laughs> oh, and, that, and you can layer your own music on top of it. Some of the better apps do that too. Oh, wow. That's really cool. That's really, I'll, really I'll send cool. you an app link after the, after the podcast. Sounds good. Yeah, I'll include it in the show notes. Definitely, um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about, you have, uh, if I understand it correctly, you have an online course, which is called How to Create and Use Music Rights, an Authentic Toolkit for Dealing Effectively with Life's Challenges. Did I get that right, Bill? Yeah, that's a mouthful. Well done. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate no. that. But tell us a little bit about it. And, and you know, um, also, as you, you know, let, let our listeners know about that particular online course. Also, tell us, you know, if folks wanted to reach out to you and connect with you and learn more about how to use music for purposes of their own self-care, how they can do that as well. Really great question. So I, I don't want to be a paywall in front of anyone's success. That's ethically, I don't, I don't, it doesn't work for me. You know, um, I've done a lot of this work with veterans and people who have no money at all. And, um, I believe that it's important to give what we have to those who need it most, to give it, 
right? So as a result of that, there's a lot of information out there. And if you go Googling for Bill Protzman, you'll find a bunch of articles and a few websites and, you know, lots of ways in. Um, I do a little series called the two minute treatment where I take a situation like road rage and give you a quick way to apply music in that situation. Will mm -hmm. it work for everybody? I don't know, but it, it opens up the ideas and the ideas are the thing that matter, right? If you get the idea that you want to try to engage more closely with music, fabulous, go for it. You know, and you want to call me and ask for information or email me and say, Bill, how about this? I'm open. Just, you know, hit me back. So um, that said, it became necessary about, I don't know, 10 years ago to have something that said to the world, here's how music care works and here's how you can actually use it. And if I'd had the time 10 years ago, I probably would have written a book. <laughs> I did start one, but it's more important, I think, to have it accessible in a wider way. So the idea of an online course appealed to me. I don't like the idea of online courses. I'll be honest with you. It's, you know, making somebody sit at their computer. I'd much rather do it face to face. Yeah but I can't cover all the bases and there's people who want to know. So uh, I put together an online course. Now it's not science. You're not going to get a bunch of science. I feel for me that the performance of music is almost a sacred responsibility. If I'm going to go in front of an, an audience, I need to be prepared first of all. And I also know that I'm opening that audience up in ways that they may not even be aware of. And it's not actually me, I'm just the musician making the music, but stuff is gonna happen there. And people are gonna to wanna to know how they can reproduce that experience. That's why we go buy albums, right? Right, right, Go to right. a concert and you buy the CD from the back. So what the music course does is it allows you to sort of see through my eyes what's happening when music takes place. And there's enough instruction in it that you can then find your own music to give yourself the effects that you want. Oh, I see, I see. So it's, it's the, I, it's called a music rite. I did that on purpose because there's a ceremonial nature to using music. You're really bringing your entire being to a modality that has the ability to transform you. And if you allow that by remaining open to it and welcoming that possibility, amazing things can happen. And I'll be honest with you, they can be scary too. Um, music saved my life on at least two occasions. And if I wasn't open to that, I wouldn't be breathing now. Wow. But you need to be open on a pretty deep level for that kind of work. And it's wonderful work. It's great work to do. But that emotional rabbit hole is not one that many of us willingly go to without a little bit of ceremonial preparation, right? So using music as a rite, that is, as a ritual, becomes a very helpful way, just like you would meditate or pray or whatever it is that you do to put yourself in the zone. This is one more way to do that. So the, the music course is couched in that ceremonial space because of the power that exists there. And it allows you to unlock whatever aspect of that power you want, whatever aspect of it you need. But it's, you're never done, right? I'm, right, I'm going to be right. playing all my life and listening to music all my life. And it, it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper as you go through it. So quest.musiccare.net and you'll find the course. Wonderful. And it's it's not for everybody, but it's there for you if that's your thing and you want to go down that rabbit hole. And I'm there to help as well through that process. It's a mentored course. 
Awesome. Awesome. And that's what I like to do. I like to provide different resources that, yes. you know, could work for someone maybe better than it does for other, but at least they're, they, they're aware that this is out there, you know, and if you don't mind me asking you, Bill, before, you know, before we sign off, you know, what were the ways in which music's ended up saving your life? Uh, and if you don't mind sharing. Not at all. Um, it's a story that I can sort of compact into just a couple of minutes, but I found at times in my own life and since uh, speaking to other people, there are, there are times where we just sort of hit the ceiling, right? We've done about as much as we can and something needs to change. And um, my ceiling always comes along with uh, chronic depression. I've, all my life I've had, to, I've, not to struggle with depression, but it's there. Mm-hmm. And um, I was measured one time and I'm off the chart on the other end too because I'm, I have uh, schizoaffective tendencies. So I, I busted the scale on the depression end and on the hyper end. Got it. So in that place, and knowing this about myself, I, I came to one of those ceilings in my life where I was an empty nester and like all the cats had died and uh, I, I was wondering what was going to happen next, right? Uh, divorced, bankrupt for the second time. It, it's, just, it's just like, you know what? I think I'm done. I really think I'm done here. Mm. And um, I, I, I don't see that I have a whole lot more to give. I knew something about music care because I'd been doing it for, I don't know, maybe 10 years up to that point. And um, I wasn't in a place of, of um, I, I, I wasn't, how do I want to say, I, I wasn't like um, reacting to anything. I was just in this completely flat, reasonable place saying, you know, what's left? What, what do I have really left to do? Mm-hmm. And I decided to take my own medicine. And, um, I, you know, I could always, I, if, if I want to kill myself, I can do that tomorrow. But for tonight, I'm going to sit here in the chair with a piece of music that, reaches me very deeply and I'm going to allow my depression to really come up to the top and whatever happens as a result of that, that's going to take place for me, whatever it is. But until whatever that has happened, I'm going to stay in this chair and I'm going to keep these headphones on. And I did that. I must've cried for a couple of hours and then I eventually fell asleep. When I woke up, the music was still playing and I went to bed and uh, got up the next day, still breathing with uh, words in my head. I wrote them down. Mm. And as, as I was writing, I realized I was writing lyrics. And I thought, well, this is great. Now I've got lyrics, uh, but I don't have a melody. And then the melody started to come. And I wrote that down. And by noon of that day, um, I had this complete song done. And of course, my next question was, well, who's going to perform this? And I swear, I heard the voice say, Bill, you are. Wow. And I did. I'm not a singer. I am totally not a singer. But I performed it twice for live audiences as part of the story. And uh, it's, it's effective for that reason. So what music gave me at that moment was sort of a reason to live. It mm-hmm. was a reminder that I needed, that I wasn't done yet, that if this is the level that music can change us, then I had more work to do. Wow. And still. It's been about 12 years since then. Oh, that's beautiful, Bill. Thanks for sharing. Oh, you bet, Fernando. My pleasure. Yeah, it's it's um it's a true testament, you know, to to the power of music, and um you know I definitely uh, kept you on this earth for a lot longer. So again, I, I I really am, you know, I didn't know like your full story, but it's it's really an honor having you on the show and connecting with you, you know. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to do this, and uh, there's so many people out there who can benefit 
from thinking a little bit more deeply about the music they listen to. So if that's you and, and you want to get engaged, Fernando's your coach. So give him a call and uh, <laughs> he'll, he'll reach out if he needs any musical assistance from me. That's right. That's right. Well, Bill, I want to thank you again for your time. I really, really appreciate you being on and, um, you know, thank you everyone for tuning in to this uh, episode of Attorney Heart. It was uh, really, really powerful for me to learn a lot more about what music can do for us and, you know, how it can really benefit us and, and help us in different forms of our self-care and wellness journey and how it can improve our health. So, uh, Bill, again, thank you so much. I look forward to staying in touch. I really do. Thank you, Fernando. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure. All right. Well, thank you again, everyone. Take care. And I look forward to catching you at the next episode of Attorney Heart. Bye. Hi, everyone. This is Fernando, your host of Attorney Heart. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode. If you enjoyed this episode, definitely subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel. And if it can benefit anyone that you know, please share it. Attorney Heart is brought to you by iMatterNow. I am a T-E-R-N-O-W. Please make sure to check our website at imatternow.com. Again, I-M-A-T-E-R-N-O-W.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Every day presents an opportunity to engage in self-care. And remember that it is not selfish to take care of your well-being. It is necessary. So take care and connect with you on the next Attorney Heart episode.